If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Psalm chapter 68. Psalm 68 is where we will be this morning. We serve a God who is ascended on high. We serve a God who has risen. In fact, uh, uh, what did the angel say when when people come to the tomb looking for Jesus' body and it's not there? They say, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is risen. And it's because that Christ has risen that we have hope for today. It's because that Christ has risen that we have hope for tomorrow. It's because that Christ has risen that no matter what bad things you've gone through, no matter what circumstances you face, no matter what problems and sins have plagued you from your birth, because Christ is risen, there is hope for you. Psalm 68 gives us the picture of an ascendant Messiah. An ascendant Messiah. Not just one who is on the rise, but one who has already risen. David, as he is writing this psalm, we don't know when he's writing it, we don't know what circumstances he's facing. All we know is that he is looking to God and he sees God risen up. And the core, I I think the linchpin of the hymn comes in verse 18. So stand with me. We'll read just verse 18 of Psalm 68 together. This is God's word. And boy, howdy, is it a doozy of one. If you let it, it will change your life. You ascended on high, leading a host of captives in your train and receiving gifts among men, even among the rebellious that the Lord God may dwell there. Pray with me. Father, thank you that you are the God who is ascended, who is high and exalted and lifted up. So may you be lifted up in our praise. May you be lifted up in the reading and the preaching of your word. May you be lifted up in our lives, changed forever by the content of your word. Father, may you be exalted because you are already exalted. We praise your name this morning. In Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. Uh, uh, if, you, if you can't tell, I'm smiling a little bit bigger this morning. This is one of those hymns that, this is one of those psalms that you can't read without smiling. Because this is a picture of God as he ought to be displayed. Sometimes we think of God as this father who comes in and who is, who is just looking and spitefully watching for something to punish. Why, as soon as they do wrong, I've got my lightning bolt in hand and I'm going to strike them down. Sometimes we picture God as this this, uh, hippie of a God. Oh, I love everybody. Y'all come on here. Just give me a hug. Sometimes we picture God as someone who's far away. Yeah, God's way over there. We're way over here. And I guess we could know a little bit about him. You know, but he's kind of mysterious and we don't quite get him and so... But he's, but he's over there. Don't cross him. But you can't really get too close either. Can I tell you, none of those are good pictures of God. Sometimes we have this, uh, we make this mistake of picturing ourselves and our best qualities and the things that we'd like to be and imagining that that's God. That's not a good picture of God. If you really want to worship the God of the Scriptures, you've got to recognize that God is both highly exalted and near to those who love Him. 
This picture uh, that's developed in Psalm 68 shows us the beauty of God's majesty. But it's not just pointing to God the Father. No, it's pointing to God the Son. Because everything the Father is, the Son is. And everything the Son is, the Spirit is. And everything the Spirit is, the Father is. They're all the same. All one God. And so when we're reading the psalm, we don't just read this of the Father and say, well, the Son was just sent by the Father and the Spirit, well, that's just some kind of like mysterious force of God. No, this is all true of all of God, okay? So don't just picture the Father when you read these words. Picture the Son. Picture Jesus Christ in your mind because that's who this psalm is pointing us to. It points us to a Messiah who is risen, who is ascended. And he rises in several different ways throughout the verses of this psalm. The first I see is that he rises in judgment. He arises in judgment. Look in verses 1 and 2. God shall arise. His enemies shall be scattered. And those who hate him shall flee before him. Every now and then, I get really upset at my kids. I know that's hard to picture. I know you can't picture that because they're, they're such great prayer warriors for you. But every now and then, every now and then I get mad. And I get up and they scamper like cockroaches. Nobody wants to be, nobody wants to be in the way of that. I picture God standing up like a father to take off his belt. And he starts to whip it out and everybody's running away. Nobody get too close. God's got his belt off and, and you, you, don't, you don't want to be in, in the way of that. God shall arise and his enemies shall be scattered. Those who hate him shall flee before him, running for cover because they know the punishment that is coming. The wrath of God is unbearable. Who can endure it? Ask the prophets of the day of wrath. Verse 2, as smoke is driven away, so you shall drive them away. As wax melts before fire, so the wicked shall perish before God. He rises in judgment. Now, it's kind of interesting that he leads off this way. You would think he would lead off with something loving, something kind, something gentle, something majestic. But no, what David wants, what David needs is a God who rises in judgment. Because we know that when God rises to judge, not only is he rising to punish the wrong, he is also rising to right it. And boy, I'll just be honest with you, there is a, there's way too much for God to judge right now. Ignore the outside world for just a minute. Take a look in the mirror. And you'll see that there's a lot for God to work with just in you. There's a lot for God to work with in me. We are incomplete. We are along the path. We are not where we should be. And so the first thing that God has to do is to bring us under judgment. And you think, but I'm not under judgment. I'm under the cross. My sin's already been judged by Jesus. Yes, how do you think you got to the point of recognizing your need for a Savior? God had to bring His judgment on your heart. Before, some people say it this way, before you can get someone saved, you've got to get them lost. And what they mean is they have to recognize their own sin. Because until we see our sin, we don't see our need for a Savior. Before we see that we are sinners against God and that we deserve His judgment and wrath, we will never come to trust Christ to save us from our sin. Because we don't need saving. Until you know you're drowning, you don't cry for help. 
Once you figure out you're drowning, that's all you can do is cry for help. He rises in judgment. See, this is where God's action really starts in our hearts. He begins by judging us. Now, we could be like the cockroaches and flee, run away because God's got his belt off. Or we can recognize that we deserve punishment and appeal to his mercy. Because not only, oh, by the way, by the way, this doesn't, the psalmist didn't come up with this on his own. David wasn't just, he wasn't, he wasn't writing this off the top of his head. He actually kind of stole it from Moses. Look in Numbers chapter 10, verse 35. Whenever the ark is going out, it would lead the people out. Okay? And so whenever it goes out, look what Moses says. Arise, O Lord, and let your enemies be scattered. Let those who hate you flee before you. Every time the ark went out before the people, Moses would ask God to scatter his enemies. God, God, you rise in judgment. As this symbol of your presence, as this portable throne that represents your presence among us, as it goes out, you rise up and you take care of your enemies. He rises in judgment. He also rises in glory. He doesn't just rise up in order to judge. He rises in his glory. Look in verses 4 and 5. Sing to the Lord. Sing praise to his name. Lift up a song to him who rides through the deserts. His name is the Lord. Exult before him. Not only are you, is God being lifted up, but the praises of God are being lifted up. Lift up a song to him. To who? To him who rides through the deserts. This is a God who will cross whatever terrain is necessary to do his will. He's riding through deserts. A little bit later, we'll see him riding on clouds too. It doesn't matter to God. Uh, the desert, that's not a good place to travel. Man, there's all kinds of wild animals in the desert. There's not a lot of water in the desert. There's not good, safe roads. It's easy to get lost in the desert. doesn't matter to God because he's in charge. He's in control. And so he'll ride through deserts to get to where he wants to be to do what he wants to do. He rises in his glory. So his name is the Lord. Exalt before him. Lift him up. Now, is that because he's slow and he needs to be picked up? Is it because he's Zacchaeus and he's a little bit too small? And he's got to get up high so he can see other people? See through the crowd? No, no. God doesn't need to be picked up because he's a midget. God, God needs to be exalted because he's already exalted. And it's our role as those who have come under his judgment, who have sins have been judged at the cross of Jesus Christ. It's our role to lift high his name and praise him with, more, with praise that, that doesn't even come close to what he deserves, but it's the best we got. And in fact, we'll even improve ourselves. We'll even, we'll even stretch ourselves. We'll challenge ourselves to praise him even more because we know he's always worth more. He rises in glory. Father, verse 5, of the fatherless and protector of widows is God in his holy habitation. He is a God who does not abandon the needy. See, this is his glory. His glory, greatly. Brantley, thank you, buddy. His glory isn't, it's not something to take note of. 
is something that drives his actions. He takes glory in fathering the fatherless. He takes glory in protecting the widow. He takes glory in ensuring that those who are oppressed and who are needy and who are broken are restored. That's his glory. Why? Because he can. It doesn't, it doesn't phase him. It's not something that, that he has to muster up the energy to do. And boy, he's wiped out when he does it. He finally got it done and now I need to take a rest for a while. No, 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 no. No. For him, that's just the tip of the iceberg. He rises in glory. He rises in power. Have you ever stopped to think about how much power God has? Think about, think about the, his power over creation. Just, just look at verses 7 through 10. Oh God, when you went out before your people, when you marched through the wilderness, Selah. Normally, um, when you see that word Selah, it's a good time to pause and reflect. Do you notice what's right before Selah? You might not be able to see it on the screen because it's kind of small. Do you notice that's not a period, that's a comma? He's stopping in the middle of a sentence to think about what God has done. When I remember back to, to your people Israel walking through the wilderness and the way that you rose up and went before them, leading them by a, a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. When you went out before your people, as I think about that, I just got to stop. The earth quaked. The heavens poured down rain before God, the one of Sinai, before God, the God of Israel. Rain in abundance, O God, you shed abroad. You restored your inheritance as it languished. Your flock found a dwelling in it. In your goodness, O God, you provided for the needy. He has power over all creation, rain, earthquakes, Restoring the land. It's like all of creation are tools that he uses to do his will. Oh, I promised my children a land of milk and honey. So I'm going to make sure there's plenty of rain so that the grass grows, so that the cows and the goats that have that milk will be plentiful. I promised, I promised them that I would be with them so I'm going to send natural disasters to clear the way before them. I'm going to clear out. I'm going to control the beasts so that my people will not be in danger. I'm, I'm going to, to make the situation such that my people can conquer the land that I have promised them. I'm going to go before them every step of the way, leading my creation my people to do what I've called them to do. Do you know, do you know this Messiah who has, who has prepared the way for his people in Old Testament times, in conquest times, is the same one who is preparing your way in your walk? Do you realize that he's the same one who has charge over all creation today? And who has probably numerous times that you don't even realize has orchestrated events to work out just so in your life. Do you realize that when we talk about uh, Friday, look, I'm guilty of this, okay? Friday, I took uh, uh, these, these two munchkins over here to the pumpkin patch 
up, up in Verbena. And it was rainy and it was cold. And I said, we did this field trip two days late. Because a couple of days before, it would have been a little chilly, but it wouldn't have been rainy and, and it would have been much better, right? No, God designed it that way. God put it just when he wanted to do and, and, and orchestrates all of creation just to match his will. Now, I've got no clue why he sent us on a wet, cold day. I don't know. I do know this, though. He wanted it that way. And I can point to times in my life where something happened and I can't explain why it happened. I can't explain how it happened. I just know that it happened and that God was orchestrating it. There are times when I can look back and I can see. Well, you've heard me tell some of the stories before. An insurance check from a, a, a wreck several years earlier. Finally, the person had paid the insurance company and there was enough to give us back our deductible. And it came at a time when neither one of us were working. A time when we really needed it. Uh, there's situations that I've seen where, where I've seen God's hand. Sometimes it's to avoid disaster. Sometimes it, it's to bring Him praise. Sometimes it's a chance meeting with an individual that has turned into a gospel conversation where I'm able to share Christ with someone or where I'm able to help someone see a better picture of who God is. There are situations in our lives that God orchestrates where He moves heaven and earth, sometimes literally, to get done what He wants to get done, and He's doing it in our lives. Not just in people way back then, not just in Israelites crossing through a wilderness, but in us, you and me. Think back. You'll see sometimes. You see, this is the same God. This is the same Messiah. We have this picture of God in the Old Testament being one way, God in the New Testament being another way. Of God the Father having certain attributes and God the Son having other attributes. No, that's false. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He has power over creation. And He's willing to use it to do His will. He also has power over men. Look at verses 11 through 14. The Lord gives His Word. Boy, that, that's a powerful statement. Imagine if God hadn't given His Word. Notice what happens. The women who announce the news are a great host. One person was saying in Sunday school uh, that their Bible had army. They're a great army. I just think it's funny. A whole bunch of women getting around talking and they're talking about what God has done. They're like gossiping the gospel instead of, <laughs> instead of other things. I just like that picture. I like the picture of a whole bunch of people getting together and saying, hey, did you hear what God did? Let me tell you what God did. The ladies are announcing it. The, the, what about the men? Well, the men, um, um, the kings of the armies, verse 12, they flee. They flee. You got this massive army of women declaring God's word and you got this, these massive armies of these warrior kings and men, great fighters that are running scared like the cockroaches from verse 1 because God has arisen. The women at home divide the spoil. There's so much that everybody has to work to divide the spoil that God collects. Though you men lie among the sheepfolds, you ain't done nothing. This is all God. We have the same Messiah today who, is, who goes out as that conquering warrior king whom no one can stand against and we can't really contribute much of anything. It's not what we do. Oh, now we can be obedient and we can play a role. Don't get me wrong. We should be playing a role. 
We shouldn't be lying among the sheepfolds. But all too often, that's what we end up doing because we're scared because they're bigger than us. And, and I mean, these giants in the land, 10 spies say, these giants, we can't overtake them. Two spies are like, come on, God's with us. Let's do this. Israel follows 10 spies. That's why they were wandering in the wilderness for almost 40 years. No, but God's the one who will conquer because he's the one with power over men. Then skip to the next point, Carrie. Not only does he have power over creation and power over men, he has power over sin. Power over sin? Yeah. Verse 19. Blessed be the Lord who daily bears us up. Some versions say who carries us in his arms. Every day carrying us. Boy, that's a beautiful picture, isn't it? I don't know. Maybe it's just the boot talking. But I wouldn't mind being carried along every now and then. It, gets kind, of, it kind of wears on you hobbling around. I recognize that God, the same Messiah who bears my sins on the cross is also bearing me. Oh, what a beautiful picture this is. God is our salvation. And that's so good, he's got to stop again. Is God your salvation? Our God is a God of salvation, and to God belong, the Lord, excuse me, belong deliverances from death. Oh man, this is so good. No wonder you can't, no wonder I can't stop smiling on this psalm. This is a picture of God rising up in power to, to do his will, using creation as his tools, working in the hearts of men to eradicate the sin that has captivated them. That's why verse 18 says that he leads a train of the captives in his train. Because he's rescued us from sin. So we follow him. He's a Messiah worth following. And as he rises up, he rises also in splendor. Verse 24. I know I'm skipping around, Carrie. Sorry about that. He rises in splendor. Verse 24 talks about his procession. Last week we talked about the wedding psalm from Psalm 45. He's going to use that kind of imagery again, but, but this time a little bit more uh, regal. The royal procession, the king is, is marching out and, and all of these individuals are following him. Your procession is seen, O oh God, the procession of my God, my king. This is the king talking, by the way. My king, my God, into the sanctuary. The singers in front, the musicians last, between them, virgins playing tambourines. Bless God in the great congregation. The Lord, O oh you who are of Israel's fountain. He rises in splendor. The majestic royal splendor of our king. And it's a beautiful sight to behold. He does some more defeating of enemies in the next few verses. Collecting gifts. Rebuking beasts. Scattering those who delight in war. And then in verse 32, we see that he rises in fame. We don't often think of this word in connection with God. But when you got splendor like that, when you got power like that, when you got judgment that is that good, when you got glory that incredible, well, you ought to be famous. O kingdoms of the earth, sing to God. 
sing praises to the Lord. And it's so good, he's got to stop again. He can't get four or five verses without stopping. He's just overwhelmed with praise. Overwhelmed with the picture of God in all his majesty. This risen, ascended God. This, this Messiah who is on high and exalted above all the nations. He just has to keep stopping. Because he's overwhelmed. Are, are you overwhelmed by Messiah? Are, are you overwhelmed by Christ? Does he have such awe and such splendor and such glory and such majesty that you've got to take your breath back because, because it, you've lost it? Have you gazed upon his beauty to him who rides in the heavens? I told you he was going to ride on some clouds. The ancient heavens. Behold, he sends out his voice, his mighty voice. Ascribe power to God. Does this mean we... Ascribe comes from a word that means to write it down. He's literally saying write God's power. When we're not giving him power, he already has it. Mitchell, you need to sit right, buddy. Ascribe power to God. Whose majesty is over Israel. Whose power is in the skies. Awesome is God from his sanctuary. When you view a God like this and you see what he's truly like, you can't help but praise. The God of Israel, he is the one who gives power and strength to his people. Blessed be God. What a beautiful song. And I picture all this. And I get these images of God and, and, and in such splendor that I can't, I can't even describe. And, and words fail me. And I see the beauty of all this. And then I hear Paul's words in Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 4. Go ahead and turn to your Bibles there. I, I want you to see this in your Bible for yourself. I don't want you to just read it off a screen. I want you to see it for yourself. You know, sometimes, sometimes it's easy to just let what's happening happen and, and you just kind of like, like you're a bystander and it kind of happens and it goes along and then later you can talk about, well, I saw some things today, but that's about it. Like it really doesn't. I want this to get in deep into your heart, okay? Paul is talking about the body of Christ. He's calling them to, to walk worthy of the calling to which Christ has called them with humility and gentleness and patience to bear one another in love, to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And then he starts to talk about spiritual gifts. He says there's one body, there's one Spirit, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Verse 7, But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. God has not just saved us from sin. God has not just removed the wickedness and the evil from our hearts, but He has given us grace. And through that grace, He has given each of us gifts. Therefore, it says, when He ascended on high, He led a host of captives, and He gave gifts to men. Now, you might be thinking, wait a minute, I thought in Psalm it said that He receives gifts from men. And now it says he gives gifts to men. Is Paul misquoting this? Is there some kind of strange translation that Paul's using that messes it up? 
What, what's going on here? No, I think this actually follows nicely. Because in Psalm 68, we have the ascendant God who is so great, so wonderful, so powerful. He is receiving gifts from the kings of the world. And by Ephesians chapter 4, we see a picture of that same God who has captured the spoil. Who has gotten all of these gifts from the kings and he is sharing his spoil with his people, his church. Giving us gifts. Giving us his grace. Giving us what we need to do his will. This is a picture of a God who shares the gifts that he has received from men, from even rebellious men. And puts not only just the spoil, but puts his own self in each one of us. And it's because of that that his body grows, becoming more and more like him as the days go by. What a beautiful picture of our God. What a beautiful picture of our Messiah. He doesn't hoard it. He gives it freely. So I guess... We just come to the point now where we just got to ask, is, it, is this my Messiah? Is this the Messiah that has saved me? Or have I just been a bystander watching him do that in other people's lives? If he is my Messiah, when's the last time that I looked at him with this kind of love? When's the last time that I gave him the kind of devotion, ascribing power to him like he deserves? Now, I know I'm imperfect. I'm not able, I'm not ever going to be able to praise him how much he deserves to be praised. But I do know, I do know I could give him more praise. Are we seeking to live our lives for this Messiah? Or have we created our own? One who looks an awful lot like me or you. One who, one who's a lot less judgy on us. One who doesn't deal with our sins and faults. Do you have the God of Psalm 68? If not, it's a great day.